Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Right. Oh! <clears throat> Sorry, I had to confiscate a big book. I don't want anybody checking up on me. So let me just look at this thing for a second. I think I want to talk about something that has something to do with something in this book. Where are the uh, promises? Anybody know where, where are the promises? I thought it was eight. Ah, here it is. We are painstaking about this phase of our development. I hate words like painstaking. It's like thoroughly painstaking. It's like we are painstaking about this phase of our development. This is like in the, around the ninth step or something like that. Pain state. That means you've already been through the sixth step where you give up sex. <laughs> right? <laughs> Quit that porn. I know, I know all about you, you know. There's been talk. You know, I mean, it's disgusting already. I'm not even going to mention that shit at an AA meeting because it gets people upset because they start thinking I'm meddling with stuff that I shouldn't be talking about. Well, then they shouldn't have put that sixth step in the book, that thing about giving up all the other shit, being coming entirely. I, I became entirely ready to give up alcohol on December uh, 25th, 1981. And I actually gave up alcohol on January 25th, 19, no, December 25th, 1980. I became entirely ready to give up the alcohol and I actually gave up the alcohol on January 25th, 1981. The sex not so fast, you know, the, the coveting what other people had, the uh, worrying about money, all that other stuff, that's a longer deal. Um, I, uh, Jerry, where's Jerry? Ah, there he is. So Jerry came up to me, he's been around 20 years, right? So he's been following me around for 20 years, and, and uh, he said, you know, he said, because he's, you, got 20, you got 20 years now, right? Yeah, last so he said, yeah, right. So I, he said to me, and I'm gonna paraphrase him, actually, he said, you know, I, he talked about having 20 years. I said, it's different, isn't it? He says, yeah, it's different. He said, I understand. He said, it's a whole different deal, isn't it? He says, yeah. He says, he says you know, I tell them in AA rooms and I tell people, I, I've probably mentioned it here, where I, I'll say to somebody, they'll say, they'll have six or seven years, they'll be worried about something. And I say, oh, hey, don't worry. You'll be okay in 15 years. And they sort of laugh. It's like a nervous laugh. And it's, <laughs> but it's true, right? It's true. It's a whole different deal, right? You don't even remember the, the, the you know, I mean, really. It's, uh, you know, really, uh, sobriety at, you know, you know, 15 years, 16, 17 years, and less than that is different than after 20. You know, so, I'm, you know, it just is. You know, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. And uh, you know that part of the big book where they say, uh, what, is it, what is it they say? Do not be discouraged. You know, anybody read that part of the big book where they say, do not be discouraged? 
No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. You know that part they say in the big book? That's to help people with less than 20 years. <laughs> Doesn't it help you? It used to help me. It helps yeah. me. It's tremendous. Yeah. It's tremendous. You know, when you got 15 years and you're fucking crazy and you want to suck on the, uh, the, uh, the muzzle of a gun and everything's gone to shit and you've been doing this thing for like 15 years and you've been doing it by the numbers and you're doing it hard and you still, you, still, uh, you still have problems with the promises. They're not completely coming true and everything like that. You want to kill yourself. And then you read that part, do not be discouraged. No one among us. And all of a sudden you say, oh, thank God. Makes me feel so good. I don't have to kill myself, you know? There's nothing wrong here. I don't have to panic. Nobody's got this thing down, you know what I mean? Then you get, you know, 20, 25 years and you start... You start realizing why all those guys that you used to look up to that had 30 years and everything, that you wanted what they had, you start realizing what they had. This is really wild. I mean, you have to stay around 20, 25 years to get this crap? Well, so here, here, here it is. If we're pain, so the, the painstaking part, the pains, the thoroughly, really haven't seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. So when I, uh, when I first came to AA, I was with my sponsor one day and I wasn't doing well. I was, um, you know, sometimes when you're, has anybody ever had anxiety? Listen, you know, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm going to talk tonight about uh, serenity, about serenity, okay? Uh, among other things, freedom from fear. Um, so, um, worry, in the big book it says, fear is the corrosive thread that runs through our life. After you get rid of the alcohol, which isn't even the problem, I mean, it becomes the problem. Sure, it's the problem. It's a big deal. I understand. If you haven't had a drink, I'll tell you what my sponsor used to say. If you haven't had a drink, if you haven't had a drink, if you've done everything wrong and screwed up and you haven't had a drink the, the, the whole day, let me tell you something. You're an alcoholic. You're a success. Yeah. He used to say that to me. Wow, it made me feel so good because I was such a fuck up and I was so crazy. You know what I mean? Man, there is shit you tell newcomers. You just gather up this crap. They teach you with, you know, you know they got a, a building somewhere in the CIA, you know, where all old sponsors go to and they learn all these shit you can tell newcomers it just fixes them like that like no psychiatry you know i mean it's just because you know exactly what they're, they're going nuts i'm going to go he says w i'm going nuts i just killed 15 rabbis and a priest and you know raped a cat and everything like that i'm going to kill myself and you say hey have you had a drink today well no i haven't had a drink hey you're a success holy shit i'm like walking on air you know what i mean <laughs> unbelievable the stuff we are able to, you know, the stuff we're able to tell newcomers to make them feel like they don't have to kill themselves, you know, and they could just get through the first 20 years. If you can just get them through the first 15, 20 years, you know what I mean? Oh, God, like mining for gold, I'll tell you. But um, so the deal is, uh, so, so worry is fear. If you ever find yourself worrying about anything, that's fear. Um, anxiety is fear, is worry. It's different words for worry. I, I, I mean, I've had alcohol. I, I'm an alcoholic, so I know what it's like to worry about shit. I know what it's like to be scared. I know what it's like to have anxiety. High anxiety. I have high anxiety, not low anxiety. But, you know, I've had alcoholics. You know, when you sponsor a lot of people, you've been around for a long time, uh, you, you, you get to listen to alcoholics. You get to listen, you know. Initially, I got to listen to myself if I was even talking or, or smiling. But later on in life, as you sponsor people, you get to listen to alcoholics. So, you get to actually, I mean, when, when you spend the first 10 years worrying about yourself and worrying about your feelings, when you're so worried about yourself and your feelings, you don't really have a lot of time to listen to other people, nor are you really, quite frankly, interested. 
You know what I mean? I mean, seriously. You know, I mean, I got my own fucking problems. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I will, and it'll make me feel good, and I'll try to sponsor people, and it stops me from committing suicide. But really, let's face it, I'm more worried about myself. But as time goes by, you actually, uh, and you lose the fear. You lose the fear of people interacting, and you lose all that stuff. All that stuff goes by the wayside. I know you don't believe that, but it's true. I mean, it's not, I, 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 you know, my grandmother used to say, don't put the cunt of her on it. Has anybody ever had a grandmother who said that? You know, that, that meant don't put the curse on it. Don't put the curse on it, right? Like we say, well, I don't have, yeah, don't, I, don't have, I don't have fear anymore. You didn't want to say that because uh, then all of a sudden God will strike you dead and you'll get the fear. You know what I mean? You'll do that. But, but the truth of the matter is, I mean, if I have to be truthful, uh, it, it goes. It goes. I mean, I'm, I might as well tell you the truth. The book is not lying. I want to tell you this is, this is not a lie. There is concrete underneath those lily pads. I mean, I want to tell you something. When they say in the promises, well, let me read it. If we are painstaking, wouldn't it be better if it just said, well, if we just do this half-assed? You know, what do they say? Half measures of us what? Wow. There you go. All right. Well, are they lying or are they telling the truth? Mm. Unless we're willing to give up our old ideas, the result was what? Yeah. Right. Well, are they lying or telling? You like the big book, huh? Yeah. You like, you read this shit, right? You read this, huh? You don't believe it, do you? You don't believe it. You don't believe half measures avail you nothing? Mm. Well, depends on what the, your definition of nothing is. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. You don't even know what that is because it's brand new. I don't know whatever you think it is. It ain't what you think it is. It's a different deal. We will not regret the past and wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Holy shit. Really. We will lose interest in selfish things, gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Man, it's, I haven't read this in a long time. This is really moving stuff. It's serious. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We'll, we'll realize, suddenly realize God is doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. It's pretty powerful shit. You know, they read this at a lot. Of, do they read this at the end of this meeting? Yeah. That's how impressed alcoholics are with this deal. They read it all the time. Hey, listen, you know what would be cool? If it was true. <laughs> I mean, serious. Don't you think that would be? What do you think, Paul? If it was true, wouldn't that be something else? 100%. Jesus. You know, when I was nine years sober, and I was doing this thing by the numbers. I mean, I'm not saying I was perfect, but I was reading the big book back before I was reading the 12 and 12. I was reading the Bible. I was going to Bible study. I was uh, reading Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, sponsoring people, going out doing step series, doing this thing. I was stark raving sober. Nine years sober, I, I was broke again. You know what I mean? Because I have this had this tendency to you know, spend money I didn't have on shit I didn't need to impress people I didn't like and live a high lifestyle. And I mean, I made a lot of money, but apparently 
I, I learned this at ten, nine or ten years sober. My, my sponsor told me when you spend more money, because I didn't understand why I was always going broke. And so my sponsor told me, when you spend more money than you make, you go into debt. Did you know that? So you guys are farther, much more mature and intelligent than I was, okay? And so, <laughs> so if you've ever had money problems, it's because you're spending more money than you make, you know? And so he used to say, I can solve the problem. He said, you know what he said? He said, earn more or spend less. I want to know what option three was. <laughs> you see, the drinking went nine years before, but the spending didn't go. And the coveting things that I needed, I thought I needed in my life to make myself happy, that didn't go. The romance did, all the other shit that got me in trouble that I used to assuage the alcoholism which centered in my mind, not my bottom. Everything else I used on the planet to make myself feel like I wasn't a useless, worthless piece of crap, that didn't go. Didn't go at all. As a matter of fact, if I was in A means most of the people that are having problems would talk about that stuff. When I was in the movies and watching all the movie stars and everything, it was all about that stuff. When I went home at 24 hours 7, they were all talking about that stuff, getting that stuff, having that stuff, billionaires, millionaires, cars, you know, Mediterranean cruises, travel and everything. The whole world was about that stuff. You know, one of the things that's said in the Bible, one of my favorite lines is said by Jesus, he said, in this world, he's saying this to his disciples, he says, in this world you will have problems, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I, have, I wonder what it's like to overcome the world. Oh, you know, you know um, you're either going to overcome the world, or the world's going to overcome you. You know why people have problems in Alcoholics Anonymous? Because the world overcomes them. Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things. I've been poor, I'm okay. I've been rich, I'm okay. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are, because inside, inside I have equanimity. Inside I have peace. You know, because remember what Bill Wilson said when he drank again? Remember what he said uh, caused him to drink again? He didn't say somebody smashed a bottle over his head. He said, this is what he said, he said, Worldly clamors inside of me drove me back. You see, you can stop drinking and you think you've resolved the disease. You haven't re resolved shit. <laughs> you haven't resolved shit. All you've done is the disease now goes undercover and looks, it looks like sex, it looks like security, it looks like cars, it looks like it looks like everything you worry about, everything you jones about, or you think you know, you're jonesing for a drink, everything you desire that you think you absolutely have to have or don't want to lose in order to feel like a woman, like a man, like you're not a piece of shit. That goes on for a long time. You could live a life of quiet desperation in here, sober, not drinking, under the delusion that by just not drinking, you're resolving something, and, and you are, you know, let's face it, I mean, you're not gonna kill somebody drunk driving, and you're not gonna be arrested for DUI, but you won't be happy. You know, when people go out and they drink again after many years sobriety, or maybe just a few years sobriety, they're not drinking again because they're craving alcohol. 
You know, I mean, I know what the craving is. You start drinking, you start to crave, you can't. The, the, the moment before they drink, they're sober. They're not craving alcohol. They're just craving anything to feel better. Because the women ain't working and the romance ain't working and the sex ain't working and the car ain't working and this ain't working and that ain't working. And the, the world has, they're not overcoming the world. The world has overcome them. They haven't hit that escape velocity, you know, that we talked about last week where, where somehow you reach a point in here where, you know, you, you fire a rocket up into the air. If it doesn't go fast enough and escape the gravitational pull of the earth, it'll fall backwards. You could be high flying for a year or two or three or five or 30 or whatever it is, and somehow you get to a point where the, world's, the world and its clamors start pulling your ass back. You know, in the book it says, uh, they say it many different ways in the book. They say in the vision for you, they say here and there once in a while. An alcoholic, a guy who's been sober for a while says, I feel better, I look better, I'm having a better time. Said we laugh at that shit. We know he's going to try the old game again because he's not happy with his sobriety. Soon he'll know loneliness as few do. And why isn't he happy with his sobriety? He's not happy with sobriety because he still has the disease, the dis-ease. And the truth is, just not drinking is just not enough. Because the real disease that centers in his mind, not his body, which has to do with the crap that you don't want me to talk about, you know, and that nobody really ever talks about in AA anyway. They don't talk about it in AA. They don't talk about this stuff, do they? You know, I mean, I've been to a lot of meetings. They're not talking about sex, and they're not, they, they'll gloss over it. They'll do it like a 30-second, you know, they're not talking about, because it, it's all in the book. It's all in the 12 and 12. There's no reason why we shouldn't talk about it. But they're not talking about the things that are really disturbing you. They're not talking about the money, or the sex, or the romance, or, they're not talking about that stuff because, you know, people, alcohol will be pissed off, get them upset. You know, if you talk to an alcoholic that's, you know, who's not entirely ready to give up, who's not entirely ready to give up everything else and to grow in the image and likeness of his creator, which is really perfection, and give up all the other, if you're talking to somebody who hasn't hit that point or experienced that point or done that point yet, they react to a talk like that the way you would react to a talk about somebody telling you to stop drinking before you're ready to stop drinking. You remember how you reacted to somebody who tried to talk to you about your drinking problem before you were ready to acknowledge you had a drinking problem? You know, it was like, you know, fuck you, you know? <laughs> That's the way alcoholics, before they get, and, and not everybody becomes entirely ready to give up this stuff. Listen, I hope I'm not, I, I shouldn't say I hope, I mean, I'm really saying I know, but I mean, I hope. I, I don't want to be saying stuff that's not in the book Alcoholics Anonymous or not in the 12 and 12. But I'll tell you what, I think if you look at the sixth step and the 12 and 12, and I think you look at the seventh step and all these steps and everything that they're talking about in the book, I think you'll see that I'm pretty much talking about what this thing is all about after you stop drinking. I mean, listen, after the first couple of chapters of the big book, it's never about drinking anymore, is it? What is it got, like, more about alcoholism, and then you got uh, Bill's story and something else. I mean, there's a solution. They talk about the booze part, right? But after that, you get into the Chapter, chapter, you know, four about the God thing. You get in chapter five, in six, seven. You go all the way up. They ain't talking about drinking anymore, right? They're talking about the stuff, the worldly clamors, the being on the new basis, the basis of love and God. 
The basis of making God the central fact of your life. They're talking about, when they're talking about being rocking in fourth dimensional existence, they said, here's the, here's the great factors. This is nothing less. Place your life upon God. Make him the creator. Make the creator the, the main deal in your life. You know, we know that he's, he, he, he's alive and well and lives in our hearts. We're absolutely certain. They're talking about that stuff. They're talking about selfishness, self-centeredness. Selfishness. What's more selfish than wanting to grab everything you think you have to have, screw everybody else to make you happy? What's more selfish than that? What's more selfish than sitting around thinking about what you need and what you need to have and what you have to have and how people have to live and how they should treat you and everything, thinking about yourself all the time, what you have and what you don't have? What's more selfish than that? You know what it says about that stuff? It says, above everything, we must get rid of the selfishness. How can you get rid of the selfishness? The first problem, the first, I can promise you, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue, really as to what this disease was all about for the first 15 years I was sober, maybe the first 20. It's not that I didn't know anything. I mean, I was doing meetings and step series like this, but you know, the kind of step series I was doing, and I'm not putting it down, was this is how you do the fourth step, and this is how you do the fifth step, and this is how I did my eighth step, this is how I did my ninth step, and I'd actually talk about like the nuts and bolts of the steps, you know? When there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing and everything like that, and, but, but I wasn't getting deeper into the disease and what the real problem was. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't really see the selfishness. The first step in getting out of jail is you gotta know you're in jail in the first place. I didn't even understand, I didn't really think of myself, honestly, even though I'd done the, the fourth step and the eighth step and all those steps and everything and I saw, you know, I, I didn't really think of myself as selfish. I didn't really see the disease. I didn't see the disease. I didn't think of myself as evil or selfish. I didn't see the disease because because when you're living in the disease, you can't see the disease. When you hate, you can't see hate. You just can't see it. When you lust and you crave and you want and you have to, you don't see it like it's a problem, right? You just don't see it. It's just the way you are. And quite frankly, you know, in this world, you don't feel or see anything different than anybody else should see in this world. It's only when once in a blue moon, even in AA, this could happen. You run into somebody that's not living it, living that way. They call them elder states. When you run into like a sponsor, some who isn't focused on that stuff. I talk about Al Kennedy because he's a good uh, example. You know, who was I heard speak one day, and uh, and uh, he was and he was dying. He had six months to live, and he didn't even mention it. He was trying to help other people. It's not until you run into people that are that have reached escape velocity and have become entirely ready that you realize that there are people uh, that you realize that the promises are true. The promises are true. Permi the permanent promises are true. I don't want to put the kind of heart on it. I'm not, I'm not saying it's the kind of thing like I never have a bad moment or anything like that, and, you know, because that would be a lie. You know, just, but you know, I mean, there's a big difference between <coughs> You know, twice a week having a bad moment for, you know, three minutes and the shit I'm talking about and the alcoholism, the kind of alcoholism I'm talking about, the kind of fear, the corrosive fear, the worry, the obsessive fear that I'm talking about, which I know to be alcoholism. I don't suffer from that stuff anymore. I haven't for years. The self-pity anymore. Listen, I remember I used, how can I explain it um, this way? Um, and I remember nine years sober saying, when am I going to get this? When am I going to 
lose fear of economic insecurity. When am I going to be rich? When am I going to have a, you know? I remember asking, I, I joke about this, it's a true story. I would, at nine years sobriety, I say to Ray O'Keefe, when am I going to lose uh, fear of, uh, when am I going to be rich? When am I going to have economic insecurity? He looked at me like it was crazy. <clears throat> and it says it right in the book. He says, he says, he says, what are you talking about? I said, the promise, the fear, I'm going to lose the fear of economic insecurity. That's a good fear. You know, I, you know, money's not a big deal. It's just right up there with oxygen, you know. Yeah, we're spiritual. I'm spiritual, not religion. Hey, isn't that an interesting deal? The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says we lose all prejudice, even against organized religion, right? We begin to see where religious people are right. Isn't that what the big book says? The Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous says, the fellowship says, we're spiritual, not religious. Think about that for a second. Well, the big book is pure AA. The fellowship is millions of alcoholics that really don't want to do this shit, and most of them are going to drink, that come up with shit to tell, make them feel good about not doing this shit. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, you know, no, really, you want to really, you want to really understand that most of the people in Alcoholics Anonymous do not have over 30 years. Most of the people in Alcoholics Anonymous are made up of people that have 10 years or less. And they'd rather not do this stuff. When I say they'd rather not do this stuff, I mean, it's, I'm not putting them down. I mean, I, I was like that too. For, for the, you want to, you want to, I know the kind of program. You have the kind of program I have. The kind of program we all have, where you're going to do everything that you need to do except for the shit you don't want to do. I get that, I understand that. I get that, that you get pissed off at people that tell you you need to do something or you should do something that you don't want to do, you don't want to do that stuff. So, uh, so the bottom line is, if you have a big book that encourages church membership, because you have to get to the point where you, you develop a, a relationship with God where it's so, so concrete and it's so real to you, and improve that relationship, the conscious contact with God, you've got to develop that relationship so hard on the 11th step so that you're able to cast all your worries about, uh, upon him. We used to have a, a saying a saying in A, we call, maybe they still have it, I haven't heard of it, I turned it over. For years, I'd have to go through all sorts of hell to like turn it over. I'd be worried about something, I'd be worried about something, I'd be worried about something. And then finally it would get so bad and there was nothing I could do about it. You know why we worry? Let me tell you something about fear. Anybody ever worry about something that they can't stop worrying about? You ever worry about something you can't stop worrying about? Maybe that phone call that you're looking forward to get. So you run out every five seconds. It was that a boyfriend or what? It's a what? A, a what? A hotline. What do I? Oh, are you on the hotline? You're on the service? Well, God bless you. Good for you. <laughs> What's your name? Deborah. Emma. Listen, I'm proud of you. That's great. I was on the A hotline for eight years. You know, I was eight years. If you called up A any Friday night between the hours of like 11 to 8 in the morning, you'd get me. That's why nobody got sober. <laughs> I had some guy call me up and he said, you know, I'm drunk, I'm out here. He says, oh, yeah, where are you? Tell me where are you. I says, well, 
you're only like a mile away, a mile or two away from the A room, uh, from the detox. If you walk down the street this way and go left, you'll get there. He says, you're not going to pick me up. I said, a taxi cab company, you know what I mean? He said, well, that's not the way they do it in Connecticut, you know? I said, I said, I said, what's your name? I said, Russell. He says, Russell what? I said, just tell him Russell. They know who I am. I said, you're not going to complain about me. I'd hate to lose this job. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to tell him I had eight years, you know? I, I had eight years doing it because nobody else wanted it. Then I had, one, I had one nurse call up one night. You know, she was, had a PhD in nursing. And I mean, you, you get this, and she says, listen, he says, I got a year of sobriety. I've got a little child. I'm a single mother. I've got a PhD in nursing. He says, I'm a little concerned. He says, because I, I, I started drinking again. And I said, I need your help. And, 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 and there's only one thing. I don't want to hear anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and I said, well, look, there's just one problem. There's just two problems. I said, he says, well, what's that? He says, well, number one, I said, you know, I'm five years sober, and I'm sober through the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. I said, that's how I stay sober, through Alcoholics Anonymous. So I don't know what plan B is. You understand? He says, yeah. He says, what's the second problem? He says, you called Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> this is a serious fucking disease. Let me tell you something. It's serious. Well, where was I? Before Emma disturbed me, you know, chatter, her idle chatter, you know what I mean? So, so in any event, so here's the deal. I want to talk a little, I want to talk about the serenity stuff and everything like that. So, so uh, I, I can remember times, I can absolutely remember, you know, I've, I've told you that story already. I'm not going to repeat it again, that story about where my sponsor said it nine, nine or ten years. He said, you're upset because you're upsetable stuff and everything like that. You're upset because not of the thing you think you're upset about. You're upset because the things of this world upset you. You're an alcoholic. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're restless, you're irritable. I says, you're, you're, an, you're a resentment and a fear waiting to happen. You know, you may not, you, listen, you have only one problem. You used to get in trouble and have all sorts of shit happen to you because you were drinking. He says, now you have a lot of crap happening to you because you happen to be breathing. <laughs> as long as you're on this planet because of the way you are, shit, everything's gonna upset you. You know, there's not a thing in this world that won't upset you or get you pissed off. I said, that's your problem. I said, well, how do you solve that? That's the drastic psychic personality change, you know? So here's the deal. I can think, what I can think of is many, many times in the past, during the first 15, 20 years, when I would be worried about shit, worried about money, worried about the rent, worried about the mortgage, worried about my wife, worried about the kids, worried about boss, Worry about. I can think of so many times I'd be worried, and it's the kind of worry where you're up at three o'clock in the morning, worrying about the same thing that you've been worrying about for three three days. You know, and 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 you you're not stupid. You realize that no matter how much you worry about money, it doesn't change your bank account balance. You ever notice that when you worry about money, it doesn't put more money in the bank? <laughs> You ever, you ever notice that when you worry about a relationship, it doesn't make the relationship better, or you worry about a person, it doesn't change the person? But I, I think, I think let me, let me, I may be wrong about this. I was just thinking about this the other day. And, and this is what, this is, what I'm telling you now is something that I think now that's come upon me that I would never think of. I think that, and that, that, that my problem is, is that somehow, some way, I have this delusion that if I really worry about something for a long period of time, if I really worry about something, it'll protect me from the thing happening. 
Does that make any sense? Like if I really worry about a person doing this or doing that, it'll sort of protect me. And here's the deal. And if I stop worrying about that, then I'm really going to be fucked. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because somehow, worry for me, I must do it because it does something for me. It must do something for me. But, but like alcohol, I can't, I can't stop worrying, okay? I can't stop worrying even though it's killing me. I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I say to myself, I have this brilliant thought. I've been worrying about this thing for a week and nothing's changed. And I say to myself, I've got to stop worrying about this. And then I start worrying about it again. <laughs> and I'm thinking that when, when you are doing something that's self-destructed and hurting you and isn't helping you at all, and you tell yourself you've got to stop doing it, but you continue to do it, I think, you ready for this? I think that's an addiction. What do you think? Can I get an amen on that? You know, you think so? You know what that is? That's alcohol. That's the real alcoholism. That's the real deal you're suffering from right now. You want to know what your problem is right now? I just, I just spelled it out for you. That's your real problem. You can't stop thinking. You can't stop worrying. Forget about the drinking. You can stop drinking. You just can't stop the thinking and the worrying and all that sort of stuff. That's what they're talking about in this thing when they know the new freedom. Freedom from fear, freedom from worry, the new happiness, the new serenity, not regretting the past, not worrying what other people think about you, not worrying what you look like, not worrying about economic insecurity. In this world, you will have problems. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, overcoming the world, overcoming the worldly clamors. That's what the whole deal is. How does that ever happen? Well, I'll tell you. Well, well, apparently, a lot of people can't turn it up. As I was going up the ranks, five years, 10 years, 15 years, it got easier and easier for me to turn it over. You know, when I was told first I had cancer, truth is, by the time I was told I had cancer twice, when I was told first I had cancer, the truth is it didn't bother me that much because I was at a point in my sobriety where I was going to church and I was, I had developed a pretty good relationship with God, and I, I honestly believed at that point, as I believe now, that you know, all things are possible with Him, and all I have to do is trust in Him. So I already had that relationship going, but I basically sort of I didn't worry about it. I turned it over. I said, I'll do what I have to do. If I'm, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to whatever's going to happen. It's in His hands. It's out of my hands. So that was pretty cool, huh? I think that's pretty cool. I think it's a cool deal, you know. And uh, before I got sober, if I heard guys like that talk like I'm talking now, I think they were either crazy or insane. I wanted it, I just didn't know how to get it. But the only reason I was able to do that is because I had, a, I had developed already after 10, 12, 15 years a relationship with God, which is probably one of the reasons why they stress the thing in the book, we're, we're on a new base, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. It's probably why they say, see, the relationship with him is right. Great events will come to pass for you and countless others. Because you, you, here's the deal. When your addiction is worrying about your life and worry about what's going to happen to you, and you have to continue to worry because if you don't pay attention and if you don't worry about it, something horrible is going to happen to you, there's no way you can stop that addiction unless you can give it to somebody else who will solve the whole problem for you. You understand what I'm saying? 
There's no way you can get rid of the fear of whatever you think is going to happen to you unless you can let somebody else who's more powerful than you have it and take care of it so you don't have to worry about it anymore. You know? Wouldn't that be great to have somebody in your life where no matter what your, your concern was, you could just tell them about it, turn it over to them, and they'll take care of it. They'll say, relax and go on. Wouldn't that be great? But you see, if you don't trust anybody, if there's nobody you have in your life that you can trust to handle any problem that comes up, you're a fucking dead chicken. You will never be happy. You will always be worried. You will always be scared. You will always be up there running around trying to wrest stuff, stuff out of this world to make yourself happy because, let's face it, you have nobody to trust in this entire world. And eventually, even the person you trust that you think the people will let you down. That's why they say in the ABCs, you can't manage your life. No human power can, can, can do the thing for you. Only God couldn't would if you were sought. And we have a huge fellowship that wants to run away from God. That wants to say things, well, if they talked like that when I came in, I would have run away. Who wants to say I'm spiritual, not religious, because God forbid if they should get religious. You know, who doesn't want to talk about that? Somehow wants to do this thing without really doing it. They'll jump into the water, but they're going to have a wetsuit on. They don't want to get wet. Because then people might laugh at them and think they're stupid. And God knows one thing we want is want everybody to think we're cool. You know what I mean? And this is all about becoming uncool and unhip. You know? Of course, the, 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 the secret, best kept secret, what most people don't know is when you become uncool, that's when you become cool. Because nobody likes stupid people. You know, people that worry all the time and are acting stupid. And you don't fool anybody except maybe the other people you hang out with that are that way. So the bottom line is, is that, but, but that went on for a long time for me. You know, it went on for a long time. I honestly, I'm not saying it's, it's just, it is what it, look, I can only talk about my experience. One of the things we share is our experience, strength, and hope. If I, if I said to you, hey, listen, I came in here, I put the plug in the jug, and after five months, hey, I felt exactly the way I feel today, that would be a lie from the pit of hell. I can tell you that. I was wacky, you know what I mean? In a good way. And, you know, like people used to say to me, like I said next week, when I'd go up to my sponsor and I'd be worried about something or something would be scaring me and whatever, I had to, let me tell you something, I had to do a lot of shit to be almost okay. You know what I mean? I had to, I had to go to a lot of meetings. I had, to have a, I, had to, I had to have a sponsor and a group of people in a home group surrounding me because let me tell you something, when, you're, when you know your life is over and it's never going to be better again and terrible things are happening and you got shit on your mind and you're going crazy and you're going nuts, you know something? Let me tell you something, unless you have a really solid relationship with that person you trust, that guy you trust, or gal you trust, whatever the, the God of your understanding, unless you have a solid relationship, let me tell you something, you ain't going to pull yourself out of that. You, you're like a ship going down, you ain't pulling yourself out of that dive. You need somebody or some group to pull your ass out of that deal. And let me tell you something, my first 10, 15 years of sobriety, you know, was, was pockmarked by sponsors and mentors coming up to me and telling me all sorts of crazy shit that pulled me out of the, the dive bomb. You know what I mean? I was going down for the count, and the sponsor would say, hey, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cut the bullshit. Why don't you just try to help somebody else? I need somebody to interrupt my committing suicide. You know what I mean? Put the fucking gun down, Russell. 
get off the cross, we need the wood, you know what I mean? <laughs> Who gives a shit, you know what I mean? I needed, I needed an outside influence, you know what I mean? I needed that deal. We still all need that deal. But, and, and so, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad, and it got progressively, if you do this thing, it gets progressively better and better and better. So it's not that you don't experience the problems. You, I remember saying to my sponsor, I was four or five months sober, and I said, I, <laughs> I said, I feel really, there's something wrong. He said, what? He says, I don't know, I just feel really weird. And he said, what, what is something wrong at home? He says, no, nothing's wrong at home. He says, you got money problems? He says, no, no, the money's okay, you know, I said, uh, at work, he said, no, no, it's okay. I mean, I just feel strange. He says, oh, he says, oh, that's serenity. Don't worry, you'll get used to it. <laughs> I was never used to feeling okay. I mean, for me to feel okay, I, I'm, I'm like addicted to chaos and worry. If I feel okay, I feel like I, I'm, something bad is going to happen because I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I know I'm in trouble, you know, and I had to do a lot of stuff. I had to do, I, I, I did the eight years. You know, listen, I'm not a guy who's naturally trying to help people. I'm trying to help myself. I had to do that stuff like the eight years, like what you're doing now, and go to meetings. and get, I had to do a lot of stuff just to feel almost okay. And I would get the promises would come, but they come on me for like, what, an hour? <laughs> for an hour, I wasn't worried about money, you know? For an hour, I'd sponsor somebody. I'd be talking to them. I'd be helping them out, you know, for a couple of hours. I'd feel okay, you know what I mean? And then, you know, I go to a meeting, I feel okay. You know, I, you know, I do the things we do to take the action, and I feel okay. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. And that was sobriety for me. And that's why my sponsor said, well, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be, you know, whatever it is, three years sober and well for a moment and then crazy. You know what I mean? Whatever. It's just an accident waiting to happen. So I, so I, I was here because I wouldn't have been hanging around here if it wasn't working, somehow working. I don't want to make it sound horrible, but, you know, everything's relative. You know, compared to, because I remember even during the first 10 years, it seems to me there was always something that would happen in my life that would be worrying me and drive me crazy. I mean, I lived with worry and fear and concern and anxiety for a good 15 years or more in Alcoholics Anonymous. Not like debilitating, but I mean, I remember the nights I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning worrying about this or worried about that. It didn't make the worry. The worry took time. Man, if you're an AA and you've got whatever it is and you're worried about stuff and you have anxiety and everything, hey, welcome to the, that, that's the, that, let me tell you something, that's why you're here. That's the disease. But what I want to tell you is even though I was getting discouraged, do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Even though I was getting discouraged, I promise you, 
I absolutely promise you that it's going to go away. You're going to live a life where you're going to know new freedom and a new happiness. You're not going to worry about anything. Maybe twice a week you'll have five minutes or something, you know. Somebody will cut in front of you, you'll be mad for 30 seconds, you know. You're going to live a life beyond your wildest dreams. I promise you that. Don't hate me because I'm saying that to you, you know what I mean? Don't say, well, who the hell is this? You know, I wanted to hear from people. When I was going through the first 10 or 15 years, what I needed to hear is a guy coming up here and says, I wanted to kill myself, I wanted to do, I wanted to hear from people that were going through problems because I was constantly going through problems. I needed somebody to tell me, hey, life is incredible. I'm living the promises. I didn't need that shit. First of all, I wouldn't have believed them. And I would have said he was, and the way I think, because I'm an alcoholic, I'm thinking, what, is he better than me or something like that? He's great, you know? But I'm telling you that this book is not lying. What I am telling you is like for me, and apparently like for Jerry and for other people I know, sometimes you just have to persevere. The Bible says uh, uh, rejoice when you have trials of many kinds. Because as you go through the trials, if you, if you persevere and you continue to look at God and grow, and grow your, your relationship with God, he, it, says, it says you'll develop a faith that will resist all the problems of this world. Resist all the You'll overcome the world. You'll overcome the problems. I mean, shit will happen to you and you won't even notice. Do I have a problem-free life? No. Do I have pretty much a worry-free life? Yeah. You know, do I, I always have all the money I want? or whatever, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, you know. Uh, rich, poor, more, less, whatever it is, I'm okay with it. I roll with the punches, I'm okay. I'm grateful for what I have. Do I judge myself by how I look, what my weight is, you know, what, what clothes I'm wearing? Not, not, like it, not like it used to happen, you know? I just uh, free of that deal, you know? I mean, uh, I'm happy most, I'm, I'm sorry to report I'm happy most of the time. I apologize to you. I'm sorry to report that I'm an alcoholic and Alcoholics Anonymous, and I feel great most of the time. I love going to meetings. I love people. I have a lot of friends. Okay, here, here. Let's do this. Let's end it this way, okay? Lest you think that I'm bullshitting you. This is in a story he sold himself short. Let me read this to you. This is one of our stories. This latest part of my life has had a purpose, not in the great things accomplished, but in daily living. Courage to face each day has replaced the fears and uncertainties of earlier years. Acceptance of things as they are has replaced the old impatient chopping at the bit to conquer the world. I have stopped tilting at windmills and instead of have tried to accomplish the little daily tasks unimportant in themselves but tasks that are an integral part of living fully. Where derision, contempt, and pity were once shown me, I now enjoy the respect of many people. Where once I had casual acquaintances, all of whom were fair-weather friends, I now have a host of friends who accept me for what I am. And over my AA years, I have made many real, honest, sincere friendships that I'll always cherish. I'm rated as a modestly successful man. My stock of material goods isn't great, but I have a fortune in friendships, courage, self-assurance, and an honest appraisal of my own abilities. Above all, Above all, I have gained the greatest thing, according to any man, the love and understanding of a gracious God who has lifted me from the alcoholic scrap heap to a position of trust where I have been able to reap the rich rewards that come from, show, that come from showing a little love for others and from serving them as I can. I got that deal. I got that deal.
What he has, I got. So if you're looking for something else to be served up to you in Alcoholics Anonymous, it ain't going to happen. This is the only thing Alcoholics Anonymous will give you. This is it. This, he just put it in words, better words than I'll put it in. This is what you get out of Alcoholics Anonymous if you persevere. You're going to have to go through the tough, you're going to have to do your 40 years in the desert. You know, it ain't going to happen like immediately. You're going to have to go through the, the experiences. But they're not lying to you about those promises. Those things that sort of come and go, and you wish they'd stay around, and they last five minutes and they're gone, and you know, when they're good, they're good, but you know, it'll, it'll, it'll become permanent, it'll become fairly permanent, you know, if you get involved in this thing and you, and you develop a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So thank you very much. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.